Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 32. What's the most difficult aspect of planning your Royal Caribbean cruise? Well, this is the question I want to answer this week as we look at the challenges many of us encounter when planning a Royal Caribbean cruise. I'll share mine and also discuss the challenges other Royal Caribbean blog members have talked about to hopefully help you traverse some of these issues that we've run into. Here we go. Planning your next Royal Caribbean cruise is usually a lot of fun, and most of it's really quite enjoyable, in fact. However, everyone, I think, runs into certain challenges when planning a cruise because everyone's needs and requirements are, well, different. So this week, I want to look at these hurdles in the cruise planning process that we all run into and maybe even offer some guidance as to how to avoid them or at least mitigate their difficulty. For me, I run into two issues when going to book a Royal Caribbean cruise. First, well, I don't have enough vacation time, which I think is something everybody can probably relate to that's listening to this podcast. Alas, there's never enough time to cruise, but that's an entirely different problem altogether. So unless someone wants to hire me to exclusively cruise out there, which I'm totally open to, we'll kind of bypass that one. In all seriousness, though, the most difficult aspect of planning my cruise is, is the price of the cruise and knowing when to book and getting the best deal I can. Now, stop me if you heard this before. Like my vacation time, I also don't have limitless income to pay for any Royal Caribbean cruise I want to try. I know. It's a shock out there, but I'm putting it out there anyway. So there's many, there's really a lot of intriguing cruises to choose from, and each has its own pricing along with supply and demand. Often, the price of the cruise outweighs which ship or itinerary I'm most interested in. As an example, Allure and Oasis of the Seas are Royal Caribbean's flagships and offer the very best of what the cruise line has to offer. The price for these cruises has often been in the upper tier of Royal Caribbean cruising, mostly due to the high demand the ships enjoy. So as a result, I often find better deals on Voyager and Freedom class ships. And you know what? If I can save a few hundred dollars, if not more, then I'm more inclined to go in that direction. And I really ran into this problem when I was planning my Navigator of the Seas cruise. I had a literally a spreadsheet of cruise options that I priced out to kind of give me a ballpark idea of what I was going to be expecting. And you know, I was going through all of them, and there were maybe... I think we really wanted to try Alert of the Seas has been kind of on our wish list here, and I'd love to be able to see it, especially before it goes over to Europe. But, you know, pricing and everything else, the great deal we got on Navigator of the Seas and some of the other options that were out there, Serenade of the Seas was also a good deal. It's hard to pass up these options, especially because Royal Caribbean's fleet is so wide and diverse. We actually, you know, I, we could have taken a cruise out of New Jersey or Baltimore and saved money on airfare because we had simply driven there. And when you're talking about saving, you know, $2,000 on airfare for our family, that's a lot of money. So it's, I guess it's a good problem in the sense that there's lots of choices, but I really feel like, you know, not only picking the right price, but also knowing when the right price is. Because when I book today, who knows that, you know, if there's going to be a deal out there, maybe next month, next year, whenever, of course, whenever you're planning the cruise. Now, Royal Caribbean doesn't allow for, obviously, rebooking and, and getting the new deals that are out there. But as you all know, once you get the final payment date, you're locked in. And you never know what's going to come down the pipeline there. And certainly, promotions come and go. Like right now, if you're listening to this podcast as we speak, there's that really big uh, third and fourth guests are free in the same stateroom deal, which is really a big deal, in fact. And the advantage of that is you can really save some money in that regard, but you got to know what you want to book now. And, you know, a lot of people are dealing with different variables and situations. So it kind of, you know, is a little more up in the air. But anyway, that's what I run into when I'm planning my cruises. And actually, I pose this exact question to our royalcaribbeanblog.com message board, which of course I invite all of you to join. I'll put a link in our show notes to that so you can go become a member. It's a lot of fun. It's free. It's a great place to talk with other Royal Caribbean fans. And I asked everyone on there, what is the most 
difficult aspect of planning your Royal Caribbean vacation? I got some great answers. So let's dive right into them. I'm going to read them and we'll kind of, you know, riff and see what I can offer in terms of advice, help, or just a, uh, you know, pat on the back and say, well, I know exactly what you mean, but it is what it is. So anyway, let's jump right into it. We'll start things off with a message from Bill Carney. He writes, when we first started cruising, it was itinerary. I like collecting ports. After that, it was coordinating flights and trying to minimize cost and travel stress. On our first two cruises with kids, finding the right staterooms was a concern. On one, we booked a rear corner on adventure that was a bit wider but shallower room, which worked out well for having space for the crib. On another, we had a family suite like your recent Navigator of the Seas cruise. It rocked, and we were lucky as they usually don't let those out for families afford. On our April 5th cruise, we're going to wing it in a standard balcony room with a pull-out sofa bed on Oasis and see how it goes. Now, on the Oasis cruise, the difficulty here is excursions, partially finding ones that appeal to both myself and the kids, and partially finding one in the Bahamas that fits the weird 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. on a Sunday stop. All this said, if this is difficulty to suffer through, I guess I am truly blessed. Bill, I think you got the right attitude there, certainly. You know, the excursion thing is, you're right about that, and I think maybe I haven't run into that problem personally yet. From the standpoint that my daughter is so young, we can kind of tell her where we're going and that's it. But that being said, on Navigator this season, there were other excursions we wanted to try. Like the big thing to do in Belize is uh, going in tubing, like going in a inner tube and floating down a river or something, which is supposed to be a really big deal. But obviously with a three-year-old, she's not going to be old enough to do that kind of thing. So we had to pass on that. So from that regard, yeah, I can kind of see that. And certainly as they get older and they start generating their own opinions, which I don't know who lets them do that, but they do. That's going to create more of an issue for that as well and certainly making everybody happy with the plants. I get that. And, you know, the advantage is, of course, researching what else is out there in terms of there's lots of excursions on any given island. And, of course, you should consider not only Royal Caribbean excursions but also third-party excursions. And either one may present a better solution depending on, again, your family situation. So good luck to you there, Bill. And I'm looking forward to hearing about your Oasis and Seas Cruise myself. Next, we have a message from Sean, and he says, For my family, the itinerary is probably the easiest. We pick the cruise based on the week that we can go, and the ship available is the best for the kids. Ship selection will definitely get harder when the revitalization program is complete. The cabin selection is one of the more challenging aspects, especially with kids of different ages. For our cruises coming up on Freedom of the Seas, we struggle with what to do with having one daughter in a crib and the other needing a larger bed while keeping it affordable. In the end, we went with two connecting promenade view staterooms. Shore excursions can also be a fun challenge, especially if you're getting away from doing excursions connected to Royal Caribbean. Thankfully, Royal Caribbean blog and other sites like TripAdvisor help let you know what the operator is trustworthy or not and if the excursion is fun and safe. The best part of planning is seeing the daily compasses. This way, I can create my bucket list of activities that I would like to check off and be on the lookout while on the cruise. And one aspect I wish Royal Caribbean lets you pre-plan is babysitting services. It would be nice to be able to select a dining package for specialty restaurants on Allure next month, but unfortunately, we'll have to wait and see if we can get a sitter at sea. They could always drop them off at Adventure Ocean and the nursery if need be. But all of this is fun to suffer through and help start your vacation early. You know, the stateroom thing is something I've been through myself. And again, I guess the advantage of having really young kids, Sean, is that you get the ability to kind of, you know, well, they can just sleep over there. But as they get older, and of course you have an older one and a younger one, Certainly that dynamic is a little different there and I totally get that. And, you know, getting that difference, especially for families, like do we get two staterooms? Do we just get a really large stateroom? I think you just got to play the numbers game in that one. You got to look at every option out there and a good, a good travel agent may help you with this and say, let's look at a large stateroom, like one of those family staterooms. And of course there are different categories of family staterooms. Don't forget there's family inside staterooms, family ocean view staterooms, family suites. It depends on the ship and of course what your, um, budget is that's probably in fact probably a bigger deal and of course comparing that to two staterooms 
and kind of doing the math there and seeing where the deals happen to be. Maybe now with that third and fourth passengers being free, not that's going to help you for your current cruise, but maybe future cruises, you can, you know, maybe that maybe you go for that family ocean view stateroom because two people are essentially free and that, that's a lot of money right there. So that's probably the best way to go about that. And I totally understand exactly where you're coming from. Next, we have Don, who I think is going to be a lot like me here. He says, getting the price right, not difficult, but requires patience and flexibility and use of an online site with a user-friendly search engine and offers unique incentives not available to typical travel agencies. Our method, one major bucket list trip per year, three out year options in the mix. Watch and track prices range for options, typical price, good price, and bargain price. When you see a bargain price, book it. Good price is usually available fallback. Rarely do we have to settle for a typical price. Price, quote-unquote, includes incentives and other cost-saving factors. For example, we always include pre- and post-cruise extension to experience embarkation and disembarkation ports. 2015 options include British Isles and Scandinavia St. Petersburg. For British Isles itinerary, a two- or three-night pre-cruise day is needed to explore London, which is very expensive. Scandinavian St. Petersburg itinerary includes an overnight in Stockholm embarkation port and an overnight in Copenhagen disembarkation port. You can use ship for pre- and post-hotel and food and turn the slightly higher cruise price into book-it-now bargain. So that's a great point, Don. And certainly the European itineraries can be a little more complicated than, say, the North American itineraries. But, yeah, getting the price right. And I know what you mean about those deals that are out there. Man, those deals really tempt me. And you, I think when you have priced enough Royal Caribbean cruises out there, and it's not that many, you know, to take a couple, you'll kind of get an idea of the pricing. You start to know when a really good deal is out there. A lot of times they're last minute deals. And if you're living in maybe the southeastern United States or somewhere near a cruise port, you know, Baltimore, New Jersey, Galveston, you have that option of always, you know, hopping on a cruise at the last minute, especially if the price is right like that. And that can really help you out there. So thank you, Don. Ken writes, I have to plan a cruise around my children's school schedule and my vacation blackout dates from October to December. Then I have to look at pricings for rooms and compare two inside rooms to a D1 balcony or junior suite. I prefer midship location for a family of four. Next, I would look at destinations and ship class. Lastly, the deal breaker would be airfare since I live on the Golden Coast. You know, everything you're saying there is a lot what some other people were saying as well in terms of, you know, two rooms, one big room, which is the better option out there. And again, you got to play that number game. You got to see which is the better deal and what the pricing is like, because as you know, pricing changes per ship per day in fact you can price it out one day and next day totally different pricing that's supply and demand for you people so i totally get that and you know that living on the west coast the problem is at least right now not that many cruises going out of there so you have to fly quite a bit and that means higher airfare costs so totally get that bryce writes choosing the low price versus extra onboard benefits it's always a hard call you're right about that price actually someone mentioned earlier you know right now it's kind of easier or slightly easier with there being non-revitalized ships and some revitalized ships, because you can say, well, the revitalized ships offer a lot more, but you're right. Would I want to go on, say, Enchantment of the Seas or even Majesty of the Seas and get the bottom you know, price that I can? Or do I pay a little bit more and maybe go on Freedom of the Seas? Or I go on you know, like Navigator of the Seas, as I mentioned earlier. What you get for that money can sometimes be a little more important than maybe getting the lowest price out there. And I, and I totally get that. But at the same time, there's something very, very fun about paying, you know, going on maybe one of those Liberty Seas cruises for $200 a person and just getting a really cheap vacation out of it. So I get that. Moncton Guy writes, it's flights for me. I can travel any time of the year and flexible for ports and itinerary, but the cost of flying from Canada to anywhere in the United States. Flights can be close to $1,000 return. So even with a great deal or option for an itinerary that I want to cruise on, the flights make it very hard for this to happen. 
And you know what? I get that. I don't know where you live in Canada, but I do have a friend who lives in the Ottawa area. And what he often does is he'll actually drive across the border to like Buffalo or Syracuse and pick up a flight over there because JetBlue will fly out of there and flying domestically in the United States is a lot cheaper, in fact, than flying internationally, which Canada is. Believe it or not, for some Americans. So I get that. I'm not sure where you, of course, you live in like Manitoba and, you know, it's a eight hour drive to the border. It's probably not going to help you a lot. But if you're maybe living in the Toronto area, Ottawa, as I mentioned, or maybe even somewhere like Nova Scotia, where you have ac- somewhat easy access to the United States, it might make some sense to price out some flights out of there and see if you can't save a few bucks there. Divi Flus, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, says ditto on the flights. Flying from the west coast of Canada to Florida can be often as flying to Europe for that same cost. Our cruises are all two-week minimums to justify the time and cost of getting there. Again, I know you said west coast of Canada, so maybe Seattle is an option for you or driving down to one of the other airports in the area down there. If not, we'll look on the bright side. you got two-week cruises. I mean, I'll tell you a lot of Americans, myself included, would love to be able to take a two-week cruise instead of just a one-week cruise. So you got that going for you. I can totally understand that. Paradise Found Vacations. For me, it's definitely choosing excursions. I can't begin to guess how many hours I've spent on Cruise Critic reading reviews on excursions. Dude, totally there with you. I've been there. I, I can't tell you how many evenings I've sat there and click, 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 kept on reading, 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 reading until I found something. So lastly, we'll go with Keith and Rita. Our challenge is finding a cruise to our liking from a port we can drive to. It's too much of a hassle to fly for our little city, and it's also very expensive. Our next challenge is finding the same stateroom on a ship we can book for a back-to-back cruise with different itineraries for each week. We just finished a seven-day cruise on Serenade of the Seas out of New Orleans last month, and while on board, we made the challenge a little bit easier by booking a back-to-back for New Year's Eve 2015 and the week after in the same stateroom. The first week is Western Caribbean, and the second is Key West and the Bahamas. Well, there you go. You solved your own problem right there by booking well in advance, and that definitely helps. And if you do want to do back-to-backs, it does help you especially to plan well in advance. Don't leave for the last minute, especially those last-minute deals, which are always great, except you may not be able to get the same cabin again. And the whole cool thing, I think, of having a back-to-back cruise beyond going, of course, back-to-back and having two cruises in a row is having the same stateroom. So that way you don't have to unpack. That's the best part. Otherwise, you got to pack up all your stuff to just unpack in another stateroom somewhere else on the ship. But again... Is two weeks better than one week on a cruise? The answer is a resounding uh, yes. <laughs> the option also you mentioned earlier, finding a cruise that they can drive to. Luckily for Royal Caribbean, you have some options, especially if you live on the East Coast. And I know from the message boards here, it says you live in southern Indiana. So you have some options. I think the Northeast is generally in your ballpark, like New Jersey, Baltimore. And Florida is probably a bit of a hike for you. Texas, I think, is the same way. But, you know, Royal Caribbean is always changing things up, so you never know what will be close to you. So thank you to everybody for posting these, and I hope I offered some advice there and some challenges there. And maybe, you know what, some other people here listening to this show have also had some experience in conquering some of these challenges. We want to hear from you. So email us, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, and we'll read it on next week's show. Time for our listener emails, where I read your emails. Actually, it's not just emails, tweets, Facebook messages. Really, any way that you found a way to contact me, legally, I am happy to read it for you here. We'll start things off with Christopher Percy. Hello, Matt. Regarding episode 30 with the listener feedback, it was very interesting to hear all the feedback you get from your fellow listeners of the podcast. No matter how season one is as a cruiser, there was something for everyone, and I personally learned a lot. Thank you for changing up the podcast format this week to provide all the listener feedback. Thank you, Christopher. I always appreciate it. You know what? I want to also say thank this opportunity to thank Christopher and thank everybody listening. I don't say it enough. I feel thank you all for listening to this podcast. It really means a lot to me that you guys all are, first of all, huge Royal Caribbean fans like myself. And you also really enjoy this show. It really means a lot to hear that. So thank you, Christopher. 
Next is an email from Kayla. Hi, Matt. Just curious, did you ever get a chance to visit and use the thermal suite on Jewel of the Seas? Visit yes, use no. We took a tour of it on our first day, which is something you should, I always recommend doing. I don't say you should, but I recommend doing it, taking the tour of the spots free. And it gives you an idea of what really you can expect. Because I think a lot of people just assume that the spa offers certain things and doesn't offer other things. And I was really impressed by Jewel of the Seas Spa. It was way better than I was expecting. And the thermal suite is really cool. It's basically, among other things, I think we're talking about the same thing here. There are these lounger chairs that are made out of like stones, but they're heated from inside. So it's like sitting on a very warm rock. It's very comfortable. I got a chance to try it out there on the thing. It was very cool. And I believe I'm not mistaken. They offered a, just a daily pass. You could order a pass for the entire duration of the cruise and just have free access. Like, Hey, I feel like going to thermal spa. Let's go now. And the other option was to just buy like a daily pass, like, oh, it's Tuesday. I feel like going to the spa today. Let me buy a day pass to it. I didn't do it because it was such a, I think the reason why we did it, we didn't do it rather, was because of the fact that we were on a very port intensive itinerary and didn't get there. And now that you're mentioning it, Kayla, I am beginning to regret it. So, <laughs> oh, well, time to book another cruise on there, right? Next, we have an email from Chad. Great episode last week. Must be exciting for you to be able to do a show filled with nothing but listener feedback. I know I really enjoy the show and good to hear so many others that love it as well. I'm very excited for today's episode about onboard activities. I myself had a blast on my first Royal Caribbean cruise playing basketball, golf, dodgeball, rock climbing, volleyball, and watching people wipe out on the flow rider. Onboard activities are a quintessential part of my cruise experience, so I can't wait for you to post this episode so I can download it. I have been swamped with work since getting back from our Liberty of the Seas cruise, but be looking for a review on the blog forum shortly. Have a great one, Matt. Thank you, Chad. I really appreciate that. And I'm glad to hear you had a great time on Liberty of the Seas. I, You know, it, it's always a good feeling for me, at least, when I hear other people having great time, especially our listeners here. And Chad, I am glad to also hear you're a big fan of the onboard activities. There's a lot to do on there, and I always feel like I never do enough. I always be like, yeah, this is the cruise. I'm going to go do it all. And I get to there, and I'm always just like, you know what I want to do? I want to sit by the pool, and I'll, there's other time to do that. There'll be more time to do that. There'll be more time to do that. And before you know it, I'm back at home, sitting in front of my computer, saying, lamenting that I didn't do enough. So it's a it's a vicious cycle, really. But it's great to hear that, and the activities are a lot of fun. So I'm glad Royal Caribbean does it, and one of these days I'm going to do more of them. So there you go. Thanks, Chad. Let's go to an email from Linda. I've been listening to WDW Today for years and just started listening to the Royal Caribbean blog podcast last week, and I'm all caught up now. We have never cruised before, but I think I want to book a five-night on Explore the Seas at New Jersey in May. I know for Disney World, you book MEI, Mouse Fan Travel, but do you use a travel agent for your Royal Caribbean cruises, or do you book directly with Royal Caribbean? I have read that there can be added savings in booking with a travel agent that specializes in cruises. Is this true, and do you have any suggestions? Also... We're thinking that May out of New Jersey to Bermuda will likely be too cold to use the pools on the ship. What do you think? Linda, great questions all around. I'll start with the first one. Yes, I do use a travel agent for a couple of reasons. One, yes, you're right. You do get better deals with travel agents. No question about it. They just have access to better deals. Sometimes they have incentives on their own that help. It's just, for me, it's a no-brainer because not only that do they offer you the better deals, they can also offer you the the advantage of not having to do this stuff. Like right now, Remember I mentioned earlier in the this episode that the third and fourth guest promotion that Royal Caribbean is running, it is massively popular. And as a result, all I've heard this week is that the phone lines, the, the hold times, if you want to call Royal Caribbean, are like an hour. And I tweeted somebody this. I don't know who I did it. But if you're on hold, you know, there's no reason to do that. Book with a travel agent. Let them sit on hold. I'm going to go record podcasts and write blog posts. I don't have time to sit on hold. That's why I love travel agents. Again, they Royal Caribbean pays them to do the work. 
so I don't have to, and I got better things to do than sit on hold and listen to that Australian lady. No offense to Australians out there. <laughs> Keep on reminding me how great Royal Caribbean is. So from that standpoint, the, the booking incentives, definitely, and the, uh, of course, the ability for me to not have to waste my time on hold is a big deal. In terms of travel agency, actually, Linda, you happy to know that actually Mouse Fan Travel has a partner. It's the sister company, whatever you want to call it. MEI Travel, it's the same company, just different people dedicated to it. And they're dedicated just cruising. Actually, full disclosure, MEI Travel is a sponsor of RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So we have a relationship with them and I need to mention that. But I would definitely recommend them as they definitely know their stuff about their cruises. And of course, don't forget, since you are in Connecticut... Uh, and you are looking to cruise out of New Jersey. Of course, I'm obligated to remind you of the Royal Caribbean blog.com group cruise on Quantum of the Seas, which is sailing out of New Jersey, March 2015. We're almost at one year out. And Linda, I would love it for you to join us for that. It's close by, no flying required. And I think you'll have a great time on there. So, and to answer your last question about May, you know, it may be a little nippy when you get on the ship, like in New Jersey. But by the time you get out to the next day, like so you leave on whatever day, probably a Sunday, that Monday, the next day, it'll be warm again. When we left out of Galveston, which granted is more south than than New Jersey by quite a bit, but it was way too cold to go in the pool on that first day there. But by the time we got out to the first sea day, it was warming up real quick. And when they get down there, they're going to book it real quick. And I, I think honestly, by sea day one, you're probably going to be warm enough. If not by the second day, you'll be fine. I wouldn't let that stop you. There's plenty to do on board. I, I don't think that's going to be a big deal for you. So, and of course, you can always you know, just put a sweater on and just be by the pool. That's fun too. Having a drink by the pool is the next best thing to going into the pool with said drink. So, there you go. Thanks, Linda. Next, we have an email from Patrick Clancy. Just finished listening to episode 31 and loved it as usual. I was just curious as to what the background music is that you use. I love Caribbean style music since it reminds me so much of the area as well as the wonderful cruises I've taken down there. I know this is probably a strange and random question, but then again, so am I. Thanks for keeping the blog updated and for the regular podcasts. Okay, well, um, it is a strange question, but it's okay. I, I, I appreciate the strange questions. Actually, the music I use is a music I purchased for use on here. It's actually music I think that's, I think it's technically Muzak. It's music that someone basically created for, you pay for it and then you can use it for whatever you want to do. So, uh, I forget what the term for that is, but it's that kind of music. The track that I currently use is called Caribbean Dream. That's what you're hearing right now. And that is by a gentleman. I assume he's a gentleman, actually. Actually, it is Mario Hernandez. And the other music that we used to use is called Caribbean Rock. And actually, I noticed that my friend... This is a really strange thing, but I'll keep going on it. I noticed, actually, my friend Kaylee, who runs the CruiseCast podcast, actually used that same music. I had, I didn't, like... I knew it. I didn't know it. I didn't pay any attention to it. And then I was listening to their show, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm using the same music as them. So I felt obligated, since I was the latecomer, to change it up, and I changed it to Caribbean Dream. So that's what it's called. You know what? I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to listen. If you want to buy it, it's $17, which I don't think it's worth $17 if, for your purposes. But if you like it that much, you can listen to it. But I agree. I love that kind of reggae slash steel drum music. for a crib. To me, it's quintessentially a cruise music. Hence why I'm using it here in the background as we speak. So thank you. Next is an email from Alyssa, 23 days. I'm not counting until the Independence of the Seas 8-day cruise in Labadee. We'd like to rent one of those cabanas for the day, but we're lonely little diamonds with a balcony. Is there any hope? Please give me hope that we can look forward to a relaxing day. Who do we ask on board? Love your podcast. By the way, we're booked in August on the Navigator out of Galveston. Alyssa, great. Those are 
excellent ship, so I think you're going to have a great time, especially Navigator of the Seas. Man, I really fell in love with her when I was on there, so I am jealous you'll be going in there, but I think you'll have a great time. To get those cabanas, you do have a chance. I did it, and I didn't even bother waiting until the day of to do it. What I would say just doing is two things. One, as soon as you get on the ship and there's someone at the desk, go to the excursions desk, which is right next to guest services, and tell them you're interested in booking a cabana. They'll probably give you the spiel. Well, we can't promise you anything. There's usually a waiting list that they're gonna they can put you on, and they'll contact you if no one else books it. It, regardless if you hear from them or not, what I would do is get off the ship at Labadee. If you hear from them, that's fine. Then you get off the ship whenever you want. But if you don't, but nonetheless, get off the ship at Labadee and like as early as you can and book it right to the area. It's the Barefoot Beach area and talk to the dude. It was a dude when I was there, was the person working there and inquire about renting it for the day. It's what we did when we went to Labadee. I think maybe it was the last time we went there. I haven't been there in a while. Actually, I think about it. I love Labadee. Uh, but that being said, regardless, talk to the guys. Hey, is there any availability for a cabana? Now we were able to get it right there on the spot. I think you can actually charge it to your CPAS card. So you don't have to bother with cash or anything like that. But those are the tips I would do. Get your name on the wait list if you can, because usually there's availability for it. You never know. And I hope the best for you, Alyssa. I hope it works out for you. Let's work a tweet in. It's from Bryce Griffler, who says, Matt, on Radiance of the Seas, I was shocked not to see any shows in the Centrum. Maybe it's the Vision class with the shows in the Centrum? It's a great question, actually, because when I was on Jewel, this is, we didn't have any shows per se. We had a lot of live music and events that would happen there, like the towel folding demonstration during the day was over there. But I think you're talking about, like, the... Cirque du Soleil type show that they do the, I believe it's called the Centrum Wow Show. And I'm not sure actually. I thought actually I was surprised when you said that because I just knew that Jewel hadn't gotten its refurbishment and Radiance Disease got its refurbishment back in August 2013. So it should definitely have, uh, if it was going to get one then, it would have got one then. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe one of our listeners know the answer to this. You can help us out here and figure out if Radiance Disease simply doesn't have it or if the Centrum Wow shows are limited to only the vision class. Could be that case as well. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up here for today. We'll save the other emails and messages and stuff for next week. I want to thank everybody for the great comments. It really means a lot when I, when you guys take some time to send me an email and share your thoughts on what I'm talking about here. Maybe even help us out like Bryce, as I mentioned earlier. And it's, it's a lot of fun for me, so I really appreciate that. But, of course, we want to hear from you. So if you haven't emailed me before, if you haven't tweeted me before, if you haven't Facebooked me before, now is the time. Now is the best time to do that. And, of course, if you've done it before, I still want to hear back from you. I love hearing about when I start putting names to virtual faces, I've never met Christopher Percy, but man, do I know his name. So I want you to be just like Christopher and we can be podcast BFFs <laughs> or no, they call the kids now call them besties. Yeah. So we got to be hip with it. You can be my podcast bestie. <laughs> God, I'm such a dork. Anyway, if you want to email us, Matt, M-A-T-T at com. you can tweet us. We're at the RCL blog, or you can go Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean blog. Whatever you prefer, I'll get in contact with you and we'll figure things out. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.